another episode of Reptile Fight Club. Um, we are joined today by a couple guests, which is nice. Uh, Lisa Farina is, uh, and Noah Richardson have uh, joined us on the pod this this evening. So we're happy to have them both. And thank you guys for coming on. Welcome, whoop whoop. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Should have a fun little uh, discussion, but this shall be good. Yeah. We just got done uh, doing a recap of the trip, uh, the Utah trip with the NPR boys. And um, what a trip it was, man. We we uh, found just about all the all the rare stuff. We missed out on some of the more common things, which was interesting. But, yeah. Good yeah. Trip. Good problem to have, doctor. For sure. For sure. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always nice to have, you know, many eyes looking, you know. Uh, for sure. When you're down there on your own or something, you just got your own eyes and yeah. you, know, you might miss things, but uh, many good so eyes to have a lot of, a lot of people. Yeah. But I don't know. We, we, we got, you know, Gila monsters and uh, speckled rattlesnakes and liar snakes, which is kind of like the trifecta of rare, hard to find species down there. So it's kind of the big three, which, um, so we were very happy to hit all yeah. those and find those. So I hadn't seen a liar snake uh, in Utah. So that was a first for me. I've seen one in Arizona, but um, yeah, Trusty uh, Dusty I, found that one. Yep. Yeah. Dustin got that one. We had the Dustin, Dustin juices flowing. I got the oh. heel and the spec. So, <laughs> and then Dustin got the liar and, and he found a pair of pyros mating. So that's yeah. hard to beat, you know, <laughs> just, just a pair of pair, just a pair of pyros. So. Yeah. yeah. We call that the Dustin factor. Dustin <laughs> power. Oh yeah. You guys are too cute. Dustin power unite, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So I gotcha. Yep. I gotcha. It was good times. We had a little challenge of uh, keep who could keep their feet dry in a you know a canyon that had water running through it. So we're Spider Manning on the walls trying to stay stay dry, and I, I lost. lost. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I slipped on one spot and dunked a foot. But man, and I'm double his age. That's kind of sad to think. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I was kind of just a number. That, it's just a number, Justin. And it is just wet socks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We there on that hike, uh, we got done and we were kind of comparing like, Oh, how far did your watch or phone say you went or whatever? And his said like eight miles and mine said nine miles. I'm like, yeah, I just, I just went the extra mile, man. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, I like that. I'm double your age, but I still go the extra mile. That's good. Yeah, uh, it, it was a great trip. That was a lot of fun. But And then I went out this uh, afternoon on my lunch break to go look for snakes and found four snakes at lunch. So <laughs> kept kept the ball rolling, I guess. But yeah, I was walking along and, and I uh, happened upon this huge gopher snake. And I'd seen a huge gopher snake a couple weeks back, so I just assumed it was the same one. And then I got home and was comparing pictures and their neck patterns were completely different. They were different snakes. So, and they were found within maybe a hundred, you know, yards of each other, hundred meters of each other, if you want to make Nipper happy <laughs> using the metrics, but, uh, um, so pretty close to where they were found. So I just assumed it was the same animal, but so it's kind of cool that there's two big 
big gopher snakes uh, mm-hmm. roaming the same area. So. I feel like you're going to be like sussing out a population of gopher snakes or something. <laughs> That's <laughs> kind of what I'm trying to do is so, you know, if, yeah, people come herping. I can go. I know where we can find snakes. That's what's up. <laughs> so, right in your own backyard. How far do you have to travel on your lunch break to get to the spot? Um, it's it's maybe uh, it's maybe two, three, three miles up up the canyon. So it's not far awesome. from my office. Yeah, mm-hmm. it takes me about five minutes to get there, and then I jump out of the car and and maybe hike for you know hike around the area for an hour or so and get back and and. Uh, maybe eat something real quick along the way. And, and that's my lunch break. So it works out pretty nicely. Yeah. But yeah. The, so three of the four were uh, yellow bellied racers, uh, Western yellow bellied racers. So, and they're, they're just liquid lightning, man. Those are fun. So I found a couple of them didn't see me coming. So they were kind of doing their own thing. I was trying to see what they were doing, but when I got closer, they noticed I was there and just, took off like a shot. So I was lucky to get some video or, or, you know, stills of those guys. And I didn't get any video of the last one I saw. It just ducked down a hole real quick and into the rocks. So um, still hoping to find a, a great basin rattlesnake. I've seen them in the area, but I haven't found any this year yet. So I need to find some, or at least up here, we found a couple on the, on the trip uh, last week, but. Um, Are you a little cold for that yet or. No, it should be warm enough. Uh, yeah, I don't know why I haven't seen one. And, and, you know, it is a fairly so. There's a fairly well traveled trail, and the and the road is pretty well traveled as well. That's mm-hmm. down below. So I'm trying to hit the trail, the upper trail where not many people go, and uh, so I'm hoping that will make the difference. And and but you know, you never know. Yeah. Maybe they're down on the lower trail when I roll the, the dice. Julinder. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm thinking with all the people down below, you know, I, yeah. I have a better chance up higher. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, and not, I, it's stat sig logic, man. It's yeah. There you go. Logic. <laughs> well, and I, I got way off the trail, you know, this, this kind of, it's kind of like a road, but I, I went up and just hiked up through the rocks and stuff. And that's where I found that gopher snake. But just right above where the gopher snake was, there's like this old like uh hut thing like built out of uh logs and rocks and stuff and i'm and i see like all these like shell casings around there i'm like so they've got guns and they're living in a you know some rock hut up the up the canyon so i'm like maybe i don't want to be hanging out by this thing but it looked pretty abandoned so i I don't think anybody's lived there within the last couple years and i don't think anybody could survive there this last winter it was just like the never-ending winter Mm -hmm. and lots and lots of snow up there so um but yeah i'm not seeing any snow up there i'm on the south facing slope so that probably is why but there's still some snow across the valley there so it's still hasn't melted off yet and man the the rivers are flowing crazy. It's hard to hear much because the river's so loud. But yeah, I guess it's a good problem to have. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. We broke records with our snowpack this this last year. That's so. good. That's good. Yeah, but yeah. So trying to get a little herping out when I can, and try to get my backyard herping in. I think it uh, looks like you've done a few trips, Lisa, where you've found Yeah, some I do some there. lunch break herping, too. Awesome. Um, I don't know if you know who Chris Sharp is. Um, I recognize the name. He, yeah. he actually used to work at the zoo with uh, Steve. Okay. okay. But um, So he lives out, like, 
near that in Fresno, but he told me about a spot near where I work Mm -hmm. where there's a um, board line. Oh, cool. So I can drive there on my lunch. If I remember to pack my lunch, if I don't pack my lunch, then I don't have time. But Uh um, the boards, the boards for the board line are getting really old. And I actually Uh have some old pieces of plywood out in my garage. And I was thinking about bringing them over there and just like adding them to the board line. But um, I feel a little paranoid about, um, I I wouldn't do it at work because I'm um, in a work truck. So I don't know how the company would like it, but I would go on like my day off. But then I got paranoid that someone would see me putting the boards out there and call the city and say I was dumping garbage or something. But maybe if I just go really early in the morning, like, like how early people go when they like how garbage garbage dumpers (laughs) do. Yeah. And they get away with it. They get away with it. It's down. I I obviously, uh, yeah. And then I, I found another spot on my own that is a it's like there's a bunch of garbage and it's under a um a black walnut tree so there's a bunch of like rats and stuff under there and there's boards and garbage and um i found a king snake under there but i also found a rat that was like the size of a football oh wow like i lifted up it took off running and i was like i was almost ready to leave but i'm glad i did it because that's when i found that i a few minutes later, I found the king snake, and it was nice. it was a really sweet one. But yeah. there's also I found out that there's also burrowing owls that live uh, oh, wow. right along that area. <laughs> I I think they migrate um, in this mm-hmm. area, so they weren't there yet. But yeah. I'm gonna go back there at a later time to see if I can see them because they're so cute when oh, you cool. see them and they're yeah. poking their little heads mm-hmm. out. Uh huh. Yeah, that's they're a fun species. I we have we have some around here as well, out uh, kind of a little bit further south. Uh, there's like an island in the middle of the Great Salt Lake, and they nest or they they're out there oh, cool. seasonally as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, go out there and check them out. But yeah, fun species for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got Noah, Chuck. You guys been out herping at all no. lately? A little bit. I was able to do some work herping. That was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. I felt left out and uh, we got to do a test event at uh, this ranch that we rent. And during the lunch break, I was like, all right, time to go look for snakes. And it was super funny because it was the fastest time I've ever been able to herp. I went into this bush uh-huh. And I found just this super pretty king snake just crossing this path. Oh, and I nice. grabbed it, ran back to my coworkers. They're like, dude, how did you do that? You were gone for two minutes. <laughs> and now you just have this snake. And I gave them all an unwanted lecture about snakes. And I <laughs> kind of tell the difference between males and females sometimes. And they're like, that's cool. Yeah. Gross. Go put it back in the bushes. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I've done a couple just local stuff. I've really been trying to just go with my cousin. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we both try to just uh, go together and just find some stuff. And, he, he's been finding gopher snakes like crazy out at yeah. Lopez, Lopez Lake. He, he's been sending me them almost every other day of like babies. And then he found one that was probably close to like six, seven feet. It was absolutely massive mm-hmm. of a gopher snake. But nice. my goal is to find a ring neck this year. I have not found one. <laughs> I, I found a couple of ring necks in California last I was down there. It was like green and you know there was moisture under the board line and there were like there was a couple ring necks under just about every board so that was pretty cool yeah hopefully with all the rain that we had hopefully Mm -hmm. it'll kind of retain a lot of that moisture when it warms up underneath like uh, fallen logs and oaks so hopefully Mm -hmm. we can i can find some this year nice now i just need to find a utah ring neck that's uh (laughs) Mm. they're cool 
Ring necks are so small that you have to flip leaves to find them. Because <laughs> really? I've done that before. Yeah. Is that I, what I'm doing? Is that what I'm was, looking in the wrong spot? I was hiking this little trail with my family and I said, oh, look at that leaf. I bet there's a snake under there. And there was a ring neck under there. Really? Yeah, cool. they were amazed. Uh, my family was like, how did you do that? And I'm like, yeah. I don't know. It just looked like a good leaf. Yeah. <laughs> that sixth sense of finding snakes that's the way to do it it's always great when you can oh. predict it too like you can call it yeah i, I was amazed i personally was amazed too i was like <laughs> i did not expect that <laughs> yeah usually the, the best cool ones are like yeah yeah one Sorry, of the cool things about all the rain that we've been having is uh mm-hmm. on my on my cousin's ranch there's finally been like uh, enough water to where there's some ponds and they have a lot of like California toads and some of the tree frogs out there. And there was so many of them. There was literally in the hundreds of thousands of toads. Wow. Just toadlets oh, awesome. walking, yeah. like jumping. Well, it's cool until you have to walk across it and you have to <laughs> just kind of like shuffle your feet because uh, there's like 30 to 40 toads underneath every single footstep you do. Wow. It, it was, it was probably close to like the millions of toads. It was insane. Yeah. That's crazy. Like the ground would actually just move underneath uh, you and you're like, Oh no. <laughs> just don't think about all the ones you're accidentally stepping on. Just keep, just keep going. Yeah. What species of toad are they out there? Uh, I think the American toads. I think that's the ones we have out here. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. They're just they're cool little suckers. About you big when they're adults. Yeah, I've seen that with the red spotted toads out in the desert. Like it's like you know sandy areas, and there you see all these little toadlets jumping across the sand. I'm like, holy! How do they survive out here? They're just these little tiny, you know. Uh, it's but it's fun to see the ground move, you know, these mm-hmm. little toadlets running around. So, yeah, yeah, and it's usually bone dry out there, so it was just a, a huge trip to see ponds and then just millions of toads. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you should see remnants. I bet out there. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> like a good we'll spot. See. Yeah, it hasn't really gotten warm yet. It's still mm. like 60 out here. Okay. Yeah. We don't we don't get very warm in the central coast. Yeah. Nice. Now, how close are you guys to each other? Four hours. Okay, so not not close. <laughs> yeah, we've actually we've actually only hung out in person at the uh, Pomona show. Okay. We know each other through social media and um, mm-hmm. we just talk to each other that way. Gotcha. We found only spot to meet up that was close to both of us, which was Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought St. or is it San Luis Obispo? What's uh, yeah. That, I thought mm-hmm. it was closer up, up further up North, but it's pretty close to LA. Right. Yeah. yeah. We're like right in the middle between like San Jose, Fresno and LA. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like two hours plus both ways. Okay. I had an uncle that lived in San Jose, but we didn't, we didn't, we went out there a few times to visit him, but yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a cool area. (laughs) I still need to visit Steve in Fresno. Uh, Mm -hmm. Me too. It'd be fun to go. I just, I actually just yesterday I went to the Fresno Traffic Zoo with my friend Mm -hmm. Kathy, but um, they're actually doing a lot of construction and redoing. Mm -hmm. So half of the zoo is closed, so it was a little Mm -hmm. disappointing. So don't go now. Yeah, Yeah, he was telling me about some of the the woes of the construction and stuff. So, oh, yeah. 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 yeah I was I was like, where did they put all the animals while they're doing this? They must be yeah. at other zoos or something. I can't remember what he said. If he said they had like offsite places where they can keep them or if they have to move them on. Yeah. Well, they do all the stuff. Yeah. I think they might uh, send them away, but mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not sure. I'll have to ask him about that. It looks like it's going to be really nice, though, yeah. when it is finished. 
Mm-hmm. Yep, he's uh, he's pretty excited for the new new uh, new buildings and things. So hopefully that'll that'll be a good change. I don't know. They did they did a bunch of construction at the San Diego Zoo and they got rid of like all these reptile houses. And I was a little uh, disappointed. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because what they replaced it with was like very uh, just a fraction of the number of displays that they had. Yeah, before. but it was more it was more like um, you know geared towards what the native wildlife yep. or native reptiles native conservation would be versus yeah. like man they had so many like uh-huh. little vipers and just like uh-huh. cool crap all the way to yeah. you go into those like little buildings and it's like oh my god and remember Ben Ben found those Ben found <laughs> yeah. all those baby vipers that they uh-huh. that were in there. Yeah, oh they're like God. coming out of the, out cool, of the, yeah. the screen <laughs> out on top of the enclosure, like getting out. And the guys, they used to be oh, where? Tons <laughs> of stuff running. back there. <laughs> yeah. Oh it was God. so cool. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. And the, I saw that a, a little baby condor was uh, hatched today in oh. in uh, the wild. Really? Nice. Yeah, at That's Pinnacles cool. National. Uh-huh. So that was cool. I was nice. like, whoa. It, they have a because they have a cam on it, yeah. and so you can watch it with the mom there. Oh, that's and it's awesome! Like a, a California condor. Yeah, my wife and I were in uh, Zion National Park in Utah, and we got uh, flown over by uh, baby number one thousand. Like the the I think it was the one thousandth chick that is hatched, and so it's tag number on its wing. Yeah, they all have one thousand. Yeah. Yeah, so it flew over top cool. of us. I've never, the, I've the never seen a wild dad. one. Yeah, yeah, it was it pretty, must be amazing. pretty thrilling. I mean, they were huge, and they were way up there. But you could tell that you know those are contours. There's nothing that big around here, so yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah, yep, lots of cool animals out there for sure. I guess that's. Uh, I love this time of year, but it's so hard because it's such a limited amount of time to get out and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> see everything and herp i use up all my pto uh during the you know spring and fall it seems uh, but, yep good times um i don't know how's everybody's season going you got some good stuff going my my black-headed eggs should be hatching any any moment now i'm i'm hoping i keep hoping i'll see a little head sticking out of the egg here soon but but you're I, definitely going to be in town for this one which is uh, maybe, <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> what? Are you freaking serious, dude? Uh, I'm going going back down south again. My wife's got a oh work trip, and so I'm like, oh, maybe I should go down and join you and <laughs> her while you're okay. Meeting, okay, you okay. Know? I'm gonna just say this right now that you do this to yourself, okay? Yeah, I I'm do. Just saying I this do. To, to you as your friend, you do this to yourself, <laughs> and I don't want to hear. Oh, if I would have been there, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, well, and then they should. I mean, if they hatch out, they should be good, right? So they'll, they'll mean, be okay to hang out in the box. I'm only gonna be gone a few days, so it's not too big deal. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I think actually your your partner in crime there is plenty capable of handling those babies. Yeah, yep. She was summer. My daughter was the one that found them last yeah. year and, and yeah. unpacked them and put them in cages for me and everything. She was pretty stoked. But. And then uh, I came home to Prothensis eggs, some pygmy python eggs, and some uh, inland mm-hmm. carpet eggs. So that was nice to to come home to those. And they both look they look, both look good. They're doing all right. Um, there were a couple eggs that the female inland excluded out of her coils, and I don't know if they're going to make it. But the other uh, thirteen or so will look look really good. So 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did they did they desiccate? Is that what happened? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. They they desiccate pretty quick out here. It's it's pretty dry. And I, I'm not sure when she laid them because I was gone the whole week and I, I thought I had a little bit more time before she was gonna lay, but yeah. And then I had a Western uh Stimson python female that uh slugged out so she had a bunch of bad eggs so, it's kind of a bummer because she was bred to my striped male and last year's babies were really nice so do you have any do you have any thoughts as to what would cause that for her this um year? i it might have been um too warm for her, i think because i had that rack and um the uh i found out that the the thermostat was malfunctioning and was really hot. And so, yeah, I think that probably was the, the issue there. So, yeah. I saw the picture, the photo you posted of your inland clutch Mm -hmm. with the mother. Yeah. And, um, that females are really beautiful. Everyone always says, Oh, they're so blue. And I'm like, I don't (laughs) see the blue, but you can really see it in her when she was wrapped around the eggs like that. Uh Yeah, it's it's what, really hard um, to get capture that in a photo. But do you, do you know, okay. is she a certain line? Because I know there's the Mog line and the mm-hmm. is the other line called Shuit or what is the other line besides Mog called? Uh, I think it's yeah. the Mog line that I like that I think is really pretty. I've I've worked with both of them and and they both look pretty similar. Like oh. you know, yeah, there's there's some variation, but yeah, they they all kind of look. Uh, yeah, because I, I was trying to decide should I go after the Mog line or should I go after the oh god, why can't I think of the line? Uh, um, anyway, yeah, I I just I thought ah, uh, I've kept back held back from both and they both look very similar. So. Yeah, better to mix them, huh? Sure. Yeah, Schofield. So uh, I did that whole you. thing where I was trying to talk into a muted mic again. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, my, names just don't stick in my head for some reason. First, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I'm excited to see a match. And, and last year's babies from uh, the same pairing turned out really good. I've got a, a holdback male that just blows my socks off every time I see mm-hmm. him. You know, he's just really nice looking even as a, a juvenile so i'm excited for a repeat of that so yeah mm-hmm. cool chuck how are the how are the hounds doing well i mean i do i do know um i mean i i don't know what's up with her she looks she looks kind of gravid to me um, she, but she's not acting like she did the other couple years and she's in a yeah. different spot, but it's in, it's the, one of the cages that I have connected to the, the big cages is, is a cage that they bred in, in the past. So I don't know if it's something about that cage. I don't, you know, and so again, I've seen this like before I bred them where it looked just like this, where you're like, Oh man, there's something going on. And you get what looks like, oh man, I like, like I should, I should be getting something either in the next couple of days or not at all because yeah. I saw the prelay shed, um, and you know she looks like it, but she's not really basking or acting the same way she used to. Yeah. And before they ever bred, it would be like this, where it's like, oh, okay, they're hanging out. She looks like she's cycling. She cycles, reabsorbs, and that's it. And it's like. Oh. Yeah what what happened uh, like you just you know and it like so i don't know i don't know if that's what's happening no. or 
whether she's going to dump out probably a, a small clutch of eggs. Um, we'll see. Did you move her back to the old cages that you built? No. So I'm keeping okay. them in the large, I'm keeping everything kind of the way it is. Um, uh, just, just cause I kind of, I mean, they're pretty big. They're pretty big. They need those bigger cages. Um, yeah. so I, I think it's probably, and they're doing fine in them. They're just not, they're just not breeding for me. So I don't know yeah. if that's like, you know, they do fine. They're not, maybe not as adjusted cause they haven't been in there long enough, but, um, if they're doing well, I don't want to move them into a smaller cage for kind of, yeah. you know, my selfish purposes. I do. I do think that would help though. I do think that yeah. they, they like those environments where it's nice and, you know, you know, they, they have a, a tight box where they can live and then a tighter box where they can go and, yeah. and you know, they can kind of peek out. I just think it makes them feel secure, like, you know, all Cause, around. Cause how big is your female? Um, she's probably six, six and a half, maybe seven feet. Okay. The, the, the males are, you know, pretty, I mean, they're, they're probably nine. Oh, nine eight, feet, eight, nine, something like oh, wow. that. They're really, they're really skinny though. I mean, they're not yeah. like, you know, you're talking like, you yeah, know, like that. they're not like that. Mm-hmm. So their head is ginormous though. It's like oh, yeah. it's just like huge head on the skinny body. But it's weird. Like when I, you know, when I cycle feed. Like, like once, once it's, once I start feeding here pretty soon, I'll just feed the crap out of them and they'll look so huge and like, Oh my God, that's bad. And then I stop feeding them when I start to cycle them and they look so lean and like, so like, but they're fine. I mean, it's great. I think that's, I think that's the ebb and flow that kind of a lot of keepers miss in, in, uh, in keeping is, is how, how lean their metabolisms can be and how well adapted yeah. they are at just cycle feeding. Mm-hmm. She probably just needs a few bigger. years. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. And, 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 you know, like it's, so one of my males, like he got underneath a door when I had him out, I, he got underneath a door and then he just clamped under this door and I was trying to get him out. And I tore, like I tore his skin trying to, it was, it was, it was crappy. So he's pretty much all healed now looks fine. But, but that happened right around the times that, that probably good copulation would be. So I'm, you know, I wonder if that had any effect, you know, I messed up his mojo, uh, mm-hmm. something like that or, um, or, or not, you know, I don't know. So, um, yeah, uh, whatever. We'll see. Hopefully mm-hmm. it happens. If it does, that's, that's, that's a good sign. And then, you know, I think probably next year, um, the, the ones that I've been raising up, I'll start breeding. So we'll start breeding like F1 oh, animals. So we'll see how that goes. I've got probably four, four females, that they could mm-hmm. they could go if if they all keep kind of on pace. Mm-hmm. How old are so, they? Um, they are nineteen, so they're four years old now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so how are their twenties doing? Um, they're good. They're they're all fine. They're they're kind of in the that medium stage uh, tubs that that I keep 
Uh, and so mostly everything stays in tubs until they go into adult enclosures. I, that's, I think they like that. Again, it's the tight space. It's the, you know, confined, the easily confined walls. Um, yeah. Uh, and I don't know what I was saying. What was I saying? 19s well, and 20s. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So the, the, the 19s are, are looking great. I mean, they're, they're as feisty as, uh, as the twenties they're you know, we'll, and then I got to start shaking some of that out. Cause once, you know, if these, if I, if, if I can get eggs again, uh, then mm-hmm. I'll start selling or pushing animals out. Uh, mm-hmm. but I just don't want to, you know, kind of hold the project a little, hold the project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, are you working with uh, any helmet hares, Noah? No, I. That's one of my dream species. I would love to. Right now, I, I have a really, really small collection, and I'm looking for a male female or a male southern scrub mm-hmm. uh, for my female because she's about three, which is kind of what sparked this topic today. Uh, because I am being extremely selective about <laughs> the one I'm looking for, and Lisa uh, is saying, "Get one." Just get I'm like egging him on. I'm Just like, don't be so picky. Find a nice. <laughs> you can find a. But um. well, that was a heck of a segue. Oh yeah, maybe, so, maybe it's so time to start man. fighting, right? Well, I mean, uh, if if there were hounds available, um, yeah, <laughs> I know, dude. I'm working on it. Okay, <laughs> I will. I will drive down to to pick them up. No, oh, for sure. No, yeah. I mean, it's it's just a, it's just a matter of getting it done we'll get it done yeah yeah oh yeah especially with the captive bread and yeah yeah uh, it, it, we'll get it i just too, i so. just don't want to rush i just i don't i i don't i take i feel like the slow approach with mm-hmm. these is the right way uh extreme and, patience uh, man yeah I, and that's i mean that's been the thing that i've i've applied uh which is great for the topic today uh, and it's been it's it's yeah. been reward the, the the you know the tree has bore fruit man you know so I'm yeah. with it. Sorry mm-hmm. that we're turning this into us interviewing Chuck. No, yeah. Chuck. Hey. So we're, we're for your back around, don't for worry. your original um, female, how old was she the first time she laid for you? Uh, so she was. I'm guessing she was a 2011 animal. Uh, so laid in 20, so eight. yeah, eight years old. See, Lisa, I got five more years. <laughs> and, and, you know, again, like I didn't, you know, I didn't hurry them, uh, you know, getting mm-hmm. them feeding, but like I had a lot of issue because I mean, I guess it wasn't that bad. You know, I, I, I had probably six months where they weren't like eating, uh, regularly to get them adjusted and then they start feeding and then they start kind of picking up steam and they do fine. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I fed them pretty slow and, um, kind of took my time quite frankly, kind of, I don't want to say ignored them, but like, didn't, mm-hmm. you know, didn't put a lot of like, didn't, you know, bother them a lot, throw a lot of yep. caging in there. Didn't disturb their cage, but just kind of, you know, yep. minimal interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, seems to have worked. <laughs> we'll yep. see. Yeah, we'll see. I I think uh, if 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 we could third time charm it, that would be, um, that would be a proper, uh, that would be a proper yes. But I, yeah. not yet. We'll see. I, well, and that's. I mean, yeah, changing up changing up their uh, living situation that's gonna throw them for a loop. And, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. But I think. 
I don't know. You know, you, you, you see them breed two, two years in a row. And then like, <laughs> uh, what, what is it? Like, what's the, you know, like, Oh, everything has to, uh, the stars have to align perfectly or they won't breed like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, in the wild, well, they, they are known under- for being very uh, sensitive, right? Yeah. Well, I just think they're like very, more than others. Yeah. Other I just think species. they're very high strung. If you, you know, Rob Stone kind of really talks about how uh, you, how a lot of people take the nervousness of scrub pythons as a, a, a they see it in, in visual aggression of striking and things like that. But really the, 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 the nervousness in scrubs in, in, in Homa Harris anyway, is they freeze and they just like stop and they won't move. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's almost like he can't see me. He can't see me. He can't see me. But like, if you were to touch them, then, then it's on, then they're fighting with yeah. you over it. Um, but, and that's very similar to like chondros. I think that's at least that's how my biot chondros were, was they were very shy. Not, not, not at night at night. And, and I think that's the way for scrubs as well. Like anything that, you know, hunts out of a tree at night, like, you you know, that's a different, that's a different day and night, day and night, different things. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like chondros are a very good uh, way to think about, um, Homa Harris, uh, in mm-hmm. a lot of respects. I always compare my Southern to my dad's ATB, just bigger. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not a yeah. bad, I mean, it's, you know, it's a good, I never see mine on the ground ever. Yeah. Unless she's in shed. And even then she oh, has like the coil on this branch right next to her. It's <laughs> like her security one. That's how I can tell she's in shed. Cause she doesn't go in the color or she doesn't go blue very much. Mm-hmm. But there's a specific spot in the back of the enclosure to where she can still get like two coils on the stick that ramps up. And I know exactly when she's going in shed. Other than that, she is either in her like suspended hide or on her perch. She's probably in the same spot she's been in the past four days. And that's that's been my experience is they're fairly predictable with like the way that once you kind of get understand their pattern, like you, you see yeah. it over and over and over and over, yep. which is why it's weird this year for me, because I'm not seeing my female do the things that she did in the two in the years prior when she laid. So now it's like messing me up. Like what, yep. what what's that about? So, <laughs> yeah. I, one of the coolest uh, natural history observations on scrubs that I learned about several years ago was the, 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 uh, um, King Horneye in, in Australia would use those epiphytic uh, ferns as perches, like way up in the trees. So they'd be up, you know, 20, 30 feet in the tree, uh, coiled up on top of these ferns uh, basking. So yeah. I, I don't know. With a head, with play. a head just over the edge like that. Yeah. Just looking down, <laughs> yeah. just waiting. It's the most predictable. Ball. It is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's so cool. cool, cool snake. I think Living Zoology they recorded a video of a king horny, and I think it's one of the best examples comparing them to ATBs, just no. way bigger. Because this thing was, mm-hmm. I would say, no bigger than a fifty cent piece, and it was well over nine feet. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. they're not; they absolutely can take these big meals, but I don't think they are or should be as routinely in captivity, at least. Yeah, I think they're just snagging birds and then just eating those guys and the occasional one will eat something, you know, huge. Just that's when you capture like a photo of them. Yeah. Yeah. But and I think, I, I think that's really old animals that you see taking like, yeah. you know, big, big prey Goalies items. Yeah. I mean, 
there is a there was a study done on on uh, gut contents in I think uh, DOR scrubs yeah. and comparing it with uh, the diet of uh, carpets in the same area and in, in the Atherton Tablelands and the scrubs had a pretty big diversity of sizes of meals and you know mm-hmm. uh, different species that they took you know of course the scrubs were taking wallabies as well but they'd also take smaller birds and mammals uh, in mm-hmm. addition yep. to those so, yeah it's pretty interesting yeah yeah well we appreciate you coming on the show chuck and uh, <laughs> yeah you, you, thanks yeah. for having me guys it's been great <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, are you guys Thank ready? You for your time, Chuck. Yes, of course. <laughs> questions. This is something Lisa and I text like every other day. Is we just talk about all your all your animals and all the hounds. Really? Oh wow. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, oh, dude, I'm like your number one hidden fan, dude. <laughs> well, that is. Thank you. Uh, I now feel so much more pressure to perform here. All right. <laughs> I'm counting on you in the next four years when I can possibly get some. I'm counting on me too, and I'm, I'm worried. <laughs> I'm worried. <laughs> we believe in you, Chuck. Right, we'll we get it, Chuck. Sure we'll get it. It. Yeah. You know, Chuck the challenger. She just yeah. needs to get used to her new home. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I think I kind of F the whole thing up when I. Extreme patience is virtue. Yeah. But what was uh, I going to do? Breed her three years in a row or keep them, keep them, you know, another two years in that small, you know, give them a year off and then breed them again in those small cages. Like, uh, it's just, yeah, it was time for new cages. I'm, I'm yeah. doing, I'm kind of doing this, a similar thing with my white lips. Um, rather than just keep repeating the same thing over and over, I didn't move them, but I, I have, I'm going to try pairing her with another, a different male. So I'm like, Oh, it's cause they're supposed to be like mate pair bonded. And so I'm going to test that theory and see if I can get another male to um, breed with her. And I'm going to try also, I'm I want to try cause both times she went in the spring. I want to see if I can get her to go in the fall to uh, change it up to just test both of those because she keeps going in the spring when everyone else's white lips seem to be going in the fall hmm. and um it seems like in the like late this time of the year she's acting like she wants to go so i'm pretty sure i could do it like i think i could change it up like yeah. if I if I faster during the summer and then start feeding her heavy because I fed her really heavy right now mm-hmm. and she's acting like she wants to go but I think if I just do the same thing in the fall after the summer fast yeah. maybe I can get her to go but if not I'm just gonna say oh well it's not my <laughs> fault it's that new male <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh, how many of you held back are you holding back many of them or? I have one hold back um mm-hmm. well actually I so I have a, I have a few that I'm holding back but they're not for me they're for yeah. someone else okay. um and then I have one that I held back from the last clutch. Okay. But I mean, I'm not, I'm not doing like, I I don't, I don't feel like I'm in the same position as Chuck Mm -hmm. where it's like, so there are other people breeding them successfully. Mm -hmm. Have you Um, done any bloodline swaps with others? Yes, I have. Oh yeah. So I have a male from Ryan. 
Okay. I have a male friend, but I, I, I need a, I need, I guess I should get another, I should have held back one, a female for my original clutch. Mm. If I was, but I, I wasn't thinking like, Oh, I want to do like this big breeding project sure. and have white lips all over the place. Yeah. Cause I don't, I don't have a lot of time and a lot of space. So yeah. And um, I want, I like to keep other things besides white lips. So, yeah. you know, I'm interested in other things too. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. It's always the, always the struggle, always the, you know, finding that balance between yeah. keeping a project viable or, you know, or, you know, for, because when you do something well with a species that maybe not very many people do well with, you know, you do have to kind of consider those things, I guess. Yeah. Well, well like I, Chuck's a great that's example. why I go on the podcast and try to talk about it a lot because yeah. I think other people can do it. One of the things I think that people go wrong is they are a high maintenance snake because they're, they do their, they deserve their reputation. It's mm-hmm. not like, Oh, I can just go in there, take, take it out and you know, you have to pay attention to their mood. You have to go in there during the day. Don't go in there at night. You know, all the things I have. um, A lot of people will make fun of this, but I actually have a hoodie that I call my white lip hoodie. Mm -hmm. And I put that on when I'm cleaning certain snakes cages because I don't trust them. But I mean, not that they're biting me every time, but I have been bitten before and I don't, I don't, like that so mm-hmm. when i put that hoodie on it they usually they don't see the heat signature so they aren't reacting as much mm-hmm. but yeah so do you want to fight noah <laughs> or what we'll just do like 30 minutes of interview with uh with, with chuck and justin and then we'll do like a five minute fight well noah and i fight we about this who's all the win. time anyways we, we, we're always bickering two, about it yeah we, no, we had our own that just wasn't recorded it was like what two and a half hours long yeah we have <laughs> discussions about it all right and we we kind of agree with each other like we're like yeah, yeah i see your point i agree but you I see know. your point you're just yeah. wrong so this is, this is these are the fights that I love where people yeah. have like had the fight already and they've had their side, but now yeah. you don't get to pick the side. You get the side kind of well. I mean, I guess Noah you could said he potentially was pick the side. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like, if I win, I'm not. swapping it. This is what I like. I like I like the uh, the little the little twist. You know. Yeah. So we let Noah call it. Then is that the deal? No, it's not his first. But if know, I oh no, Lisa gets to call his first. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, I guess, uh, do you guys want to, uh, have a quick blurb about kind of where you fit into herpetoculture? Oh, yeah. Shoot. We missed that. I huh? think we kind of did. I think yeah, that was that's it. true. Like, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well Noah, do you want to say super something? successful and I'm just <laughs> no one in the, in the hobby. I just like to occasionally <laughs> post some stuff and I keep a couple of cool snakes. That's about yeah. it. Ooh, I'm getting a new snake though. That's kind of cool. Oh yeah. What you get from, uh, Puerto Rican boa from Eric Hernandez. Oh, cool. Nice. Cool. My yeah. first step into Kylobothrus. I'm really excited. Mm. Cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's a boa. But... On me. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. You say that about Jamaicans, man. No way. Those are. I've been on a boa. Jamaicans kick. and Puerto Ricans. Have you? Yeah. 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 I'm converting her. No, I'm, I'm happy to see him, but I, I just, I, I, can, I don't know why. I just. Not interested in keeping boas, but I I got some Amazon tree boas and I got Mm -hmm. some. Well, I'm hopefully going to get some um, boa sigmas, the little ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Those yeah, are cool. I looked for those in Mexico, but wasn't lucky enough yeah. to find one. Yeah. Yeah. Boa, boa morphs, retic morphs, all that stuff is like things that are, I like to look at and are nice and there's nothing wrong with, but yeah. I don't need to own. I don't yeah. need to own it. My it favorite so. animal is my normal bo- common boa, uh, the uh-huh. Imperator. Yeah. I yeah, mean, normal. I think. They're cool. Yeah. I had one as a kid. I think that might've been part of it as I kept them as a kid. Yeah. And then my boa was the one that I could never figure out. It was always unpredictable to me. And so I'd get bit and I wouldn't know what's coming. And the pythons, I can tell when they're going to bite me, but the boas just would like, they were like sneak attack. And I'm like, I don't like that. (laughs) I'd like to be (laughs) like a little more predictability. So you don't speak boa. All right. I guess not. Yeah, Yeah. I'm a python. Yep. he's the easiest yeah. one man i just <laughs> open it up and scoop him out he's the house pet he's the only yeah. one like the household or other people will even consider like touching especially some of my friends mm-hmm. that are not very snake enthusiasts a good yeah. a good That's emissary for for yeah. for non-enthusiasts yeah yeah nice. everyone's like he's huge and he's like four feet he's super all right. small <laughs> all right so we're uh we're looking at instant gratification versus long-term planning and and uh holding out until you get exactly what you want so, but yeah, uh, let's uh, flip the coin. So, Lisa, you flip it. call it? Flip it. Heads. Heads. It is tails. Oh, oh no. I love so, it. <laughs> so that would mean I, Noah is taking the just instant gratification, instant gratification and make oh, yeah. it work. And Lisa is yep. taking How could you, down. Noah? <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is this is why they uh, why the people listen, right? Get he the, fights uh, dirty, <laughs> unpredictable, dirty fighting. Yeah, that's the good stuff. <laughs> All right, well, uh, no, where you won the coin toss? Would you like to start, or would you like to allow Lisa to go first? Uh, I'll let Lisa go first. Ladies first. All right, you so I went first All right. last time. <laughs> okay. So- I need to. I need to switch <laughs> my mind, my frame of mind, my frame yeah. of reference. So, um, people. Um, one of the main reasons why it's good to wait and find exactly what you want. Say it's a certain uh, phenotype. You mm-hmm. say you have a really beautiful um, white lip python that has an unusual color palette. Like there's some out there that are high gold. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we don't know that much about, um, there hasn't been a lot of field work done on um, a lot of the species over in places like uh, New Guinea. So if you go, if you want to breed, make sure that you're not going to um, make like, crosses like species cross species it would be good to try to stick with a phenotype because it's more likely that the species would be the same Mm. like since they look alike Mm. um that would be that's my main argument why it's better to wait and find the exact animal that would go with the animal that you have is the possibility that you could accidentally be making hybrids when that mm-hmm. wasn't your goal in the first place. Um, we've seen it happen in um, green tree pythons. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't know that there was actually a bunch of different species. I'm not even talking about localities, actual species. So 
that's why it would be good to stick with, to wait it out and find the exact animal to go with your, mm -hmm. to mate with your animal. Um, that's my argument and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> All right, Noah. Yeah, how would you respond? I guess. Uh, well, I think in, in terms of, I'm not super familiar with green tree pythons. My dad has uh, an, a pure Aru and an Aru Vioc. But uh, I think one of the things that you can kind of say about having more instant gratification in, in reference to green tree pythons is some of the, the designer stuff we've come up with. I mean, if you look at some of the crosses, like the sickness, if you look at the parents, they were kind of complete plain Janes. I didn't really see anything special about them, but I mean, the offspring has been nothing but a huge success with, with the sickness and, and all of those, you know, crosses from, I don't, I don't know if they were what the uh, locale was, but I think those were, you know, some of the prettiest snakes in the world. I, you could even show this like people who don't really care for reptiles and even they would be like, wow, that thing looks photoshopped. Those things are so cool. All the offspring from those guys. Uh, I think in, and now with, with imports still being alive and well, they've definitely slowed down in the past couple of years. But I think since we are still able to get imports, I think it's, it, we have the the ability to be a little bit more relaxed with some of the pairings that we're choosing to be. We don't have to be as, as stingent with some of the stuff that we aren't really getting imports at all. Like the, the hounds. I mean, I cannot remember the last time I've seen an import hound if ever. So I, I think it's okay to be a little less fringent or like a little, a little less strict with what you're choosing to pair because we do have some of the resources available to do that. Yeah. I think that's a good, good example. You know, you brought up an Arubiac. That's, that's a good example of a hybrid, right? Because the Aru's and the, and the Biox are separate species now. Uh, you know, they've been recognized as genetically different enough to be separate species. And, and you typically see that with, uh, hybridization is is especially in the second and third generations of hybridization events is you get some crazy looking animals i remember seeing some like f2 i think they were blood pythons crossed you know different uh, blood python species crossed with each other and they were crazy looking yeah <laughs> like really weird looking patterns maybe they were ball python blood python hybrids but yeah really weird looking and you see that with like the carpondros and stuff and yep. um you know you can get some really crazy phenotypes but yeah that's what you're shooting for i guess <laughs> well i would push back on the whole thing saying that oh since we can get them now we should just be um willy-nilly about breeding um, whatever we want, whatever has a cloaca to whatever has a cloaca, because um, <laughs> things can change really fast. Like um, I've been, I've been a, a Patreon member of Dan Maleri's um, uh, Patreon. And um, he, I've learned a lot about um, importation and the smallest thing can go wrong. Like things you don't even think about and the whole area of a part of Indonesia gets shut down because of something with the airline that flies out of that one uh, port because they didn't like something that happened. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not going to go into specifics, but um then you won't see animals from that region for you don't know how long. Like um, I remember uh, when I first got my um, Southern white lips, 
it was uh, 2017 and I was really lucky I got him. And then I had been, um, I wanted to get a second meal and I had been watching and watching and it was, people were desperate at between 2017 and 2020 people were super desperate. A lot of people were getting scammed because they just weren't coming in. I don't know Mm -hmm. exactly why, if it had something to do with uh, CITES or if it had to do with the, all of the taxonomy that was changing all the time, or if if it was some weird thing that happened. So if we're just breeding, uh, making hybrids all the time, we could lose potentially lose rare species that we don't even know that we have. That's part of what the argument is, is we don't know yet because there's so much, there's such a lack of field work and scientific work that's been done in that area. So we could, you could potentially be taking a super rare species and breed crossing it and then losing it to herpeticulture for forever. Yeah. You can't just count on them coming in. The retics are a good example of that one because, yep. you know, we, there's so many different, you know, especially after they've been uh, researched a little more and we see all the different species and subspecies and, you know, and, and we just kind of crossed them all over the place with, uh, to make morphs and we've mm-hmm. lost a lot of that diversity and, and uh, uniqueness. And I mean, well, I, I think retics are to- beautiful anyway. But you got to look back at what the goal was. Was the goal ever to establish, you know, a, you know, locality um, mosaic of retics in in captivity or was it? I guess for some people. Yeah. I mean, like uh, Garrett, he was trying to, you know, maybe do some of those like Kalatoa localities and stuff. And but at least, you know, that was kind of I just think the more thing really, you know. Yeah. yeah, it really yeah. drives the bus once it gets going. And that yeah. kind of goes to, uh, I guess, Lisa's side, right? The no, mm-hmm. Noah's side of instant gratification. <laughs> well, know. I could make yeah. an argument against <laughs> more for morphs because uh-huh. if you have a say you have an animal that it's a whether it's a wild caught or if it's um, like, for instance, my friend Kathy, she has a really beautiful, um, he's like some type of a morph um, crested gecko. Mm-hmm. And she really wants to find another crested gecko that's up to par with him. So that way, if she bred them together, she knows she's going to get top quality animals out of that pairing mm-hmm. rather than fighting a subpar animal and breeding them together. If your goal is to make really beautiful you know, high quality morphs or high quality line bred animals that you're going to get faster results. If you take the same phenotype and breed them together, then mm-hmm. going the long route, breeding line, slowly building that phenotype up. Like if you start out with one striped um, carpet Python and you can't find another striped carpet Python and you breed it to a banded carpet Python, you're going to have to work a lot harder to get the results. (laughs) That's why you should be picky, Noah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Can I throw this in here really quick? Cause this is kind of All right. So, so out of the first clutch of, of Halma Harris that I got, right. I have, and I've posted pictures of them. I'm sure people have seen them, but I have a, a female that's like, I mean, the pictures that's, I mean, I'd call it nothing short of a hypo, 
Like it's very, very light, very <laughs> light animal. Um, kind of looks caramely, you know, kind of oh, has man. that look to it, right? And then I have kind of the standard look that phenotype that I got out of it. And then I have kind of this little bit more melanistic where kind of the darker pattern on it is just more pronounced and, and darker. And so here I, t- and granted it took me a long time to get the F1s out, but now I have potentially have three routes of, you know, phenotypes that I can breed out. What do you guys think? Like what, you know, obviously it took me a long time, so that's maybe not like the best, but like the idea that you could take something, you know, not being picky and reproduce it and capitalize on the, 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 the kind of variety that we get out of our clutches. I don't know. All right, I'll, I'll take a lead on this one. First, I want to say, Chuck, if you produce the first U.S. morphs of Halmahera, I think you'd be your own worst enemy. Oh, I probably would, and that's why I don't. <laughs> I'm not like Mr. Oh, yay, albino Halmaheras. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I, I just, think, I just think there's so much refinement you can do with the yeah. natural animals, and I've just seen, you know, some of the sarong stuff and, like, some of the stuff that – David means and, and all the, you know, like, uh, Chris and uh, like that stuff. Some of it's just fantastic. You know, I just think there's so much good work you can do without having to go to gene jockey and then, you know, mutations. That would have been yeah. one of my arguments. Oh, I'm so <laughs> no. no. I mean, if I had been get for interviewing Chuck, <laughs> if I had been on the other Damn. side of the coin. <laughs> well, I think in in your case, Chuck, like yeah, you absolutely have the three the three different routes you could potentially go. But at the same time, I think it's it's you and who else are are actively producing? Ca- oh, you and Shane are yeah. actively producing captive hounds. So I don't know if if you guys, because of the weight of the shoulders that you guys kind of carry right now, I don't think you guys, I, I don't want to say should, but I don't know if, if line breeding this early in the game with hounds would necessarily be the greatest idea. Because for me, I'm okay with waiting another, you know, two, three, four years to find the right male for my scrub pylon because she has a phenotypic line going down, down about half of her, her back um, from half to tail. And I've reached out to, to Dan Maleri and Thomas from Rockabirdie and a couple other different importers and scrap keepers. And so far, I've only found one other guy in the U.S. that has a, a line scrub like that, except his is only opposite to where it's from the neck to the mid-back. But for, for you, I think you and Shane kind of as like the, the legacy keepers should kind of be more focusing on getting into maybe keeping those three back. Obviously, I wouldn't necessarily let those guys go, but I would probably say... You know, you, sh- you should focus on growing those up and producing more healthy, viable babies that can go into other keepers' hands. And then finally, once you're like, okay, now it's not just two to three different guys that I know of that have captive pairs that are doing well. It's it's like 20 to, to 30, or if not more, hopefully more. But I, I would say I would, I would kind of have leaning towards the instant gratification of just raising up the pairs to produce the offspring in, in this sense, rather than start line breeding at this point. <laughs> That, that would be my retaliation. Yeah, I, I like, I, you know, I thinking about uh, some of the conversations we've had with <laughs> with like uh, Ron St. Pierre, where he'll get like 30 or 40 animals to start a, a collection mm-hmm. of a certain species or whatever, you know. And Alan Rapache, he's a big 
um, promoter of that idea too. You know, if you're going to start a project, do it big so you can, you know, get the, get, get a diversity out there instead of like just everything coming from one pair, you know, that's so, and and, and sometimes we don't have that luxury, but. So let me tell you why I, I did it this way. Um, and, and some of it just has to do with my feeling about, closed colony keeping and and not bringing stuff in. And, you know, those, those Tracier were great. So the risk to me, you know, they're breeding, they're doing great. Why would I introduce a wild card, you know, of um, a probable, you know, wild caught into my group once they've already uh, meshed. So, so if I'm working with the genetics that I have and I'm not adding genetic diversity yet, then I might as well parse out, what my phenotypes look like to, to create phenotypes. And then those phenotypes, they're all still the same, you know, bloodline, if you want to call it that early on. Right. And, and so that bloodline could have multiple phenotypical looks, be the same bloodline and accomplish, you know, it, it allows, once they start going out like that, it allows people to take, you know, one, start diversifying the bloodline and two, select from their animals in which direction they want to go. You know what I mean? I gives for me, like it puts three phenotypical looks potentially out there for, um, you know, whoever wants to keep. That was kind of my rationale because I'm not I, I think it's just safer you know, I, I, I really don't want to bring an animal in and burn the barn down mm-hmm. because you know, something snuck in that it seemed fine. And, and then all of a sudden it wasn't. So, yeah. um, you know, See, I was very, on the other side of that argument saying you should be trading bloodlines with, you know, Shane or whoever else is and, producing and, these and, things. And I, and, and, you know, a little, when you know, Shane better. gets to the point where, you know, he's, you know, I'd, I'd like to see him. Re- I don't want to like trade bloodlines with him and then, you know, take an animal from him. Like I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, well, when we're talking about these types of rarely bred species, it's like we're talking about we're trying to run before we can even walk when it's just a few guys that are actually successfully breeding it. And we're already trying to talk about line breeding and phenotypes. And really, we just want to see like we and there are different phenotypes that come out of the wild. And some of those might be locality or island specific animals. You know, like I said, we don't know like what we're dealing with, but yeah. I mean, I would argue the three phenotypes I have are three fine phenotypes that come right out of the wild. So yeah, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> you get, you're, you're definitely getting multiple looks out of these animals. And, you, uh, um, to, sorry, I just have to throw this in there, but Noah and I, we sometimes do this thing. Well, we only did it one time actually, where we did internet herping, where we get on the the computer together and we go and we look at uh, iNaturalist. We tried to do it on Google Maps too, Mm -hmm. but, uh, or, or no, not Google Maps, the, uh, but anyways, we went and we looked at all the different, um, the different ones that were on the um, islands and um, mm-hmm. we found one and uh, Noah was like, oh, wow, that looks just like the hollow type. And I was like, which one, which one? And we looked and I'm all, I'm all, oh, yeah, it does. And then I looked and saw who had posted it. And guess who it was? 
It was Dave, uh, Dave, Dave Parker. Dave, yeah. yeah. And I, I was like, it is the holotype. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't I the mean, same picture, yeah. but does, do you have one that looks like the holotype by chance? Because that one's like super, it looks something when you look at it in it's a like picture. It's like aberrant and it striped. fake. It's like super um, high contrast, like really dark, but also really light. And it yeah. has kind of like reddish eyes almost. I've seen those. I've seen those. I don't have one. I have an animal that has like in that first third of the back where, you know, right back of the head where striping seems to start, like there's some striping there and there's like maybe like an inclining of maybe some striping. It's just really not, um, you know, not very visual, but but I have one animal that's like that. (laughs) Well, if I was, if I had that animal and I wanted to be choosy and wait and try to find another animal that looks like that, to breed to my animal. Oh, I'd take probably, it, Peeny. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is that it's the one? super high contrast. Yeah, it doesn't even, I love like the that first one. time I saw that picture, I thought it was a painting. Page 347. Yeah, it's gorgeous oh, animal. And the and if you go on iNaturalist, you yep. can see another photo of it. It's oh, he, cool. The one on eight, he put a different one on iNaturalist. So really? you should check that out if you have a little extra time. I just happen to be on iNaturalist right now. <laughs> yeah, I just want to be choosy and find a scrub python that look, has a stripe. Otherwise, I'm never breeding my female ever. <laughs> wow, that's a bold. Wait, you, you don't have one. That's mine. I know. I'm trying to be you. I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know what. I don't know how to argue this side. I I think that um, something about being choosy that's really good is. Um, help me out, Noah. All right. I'll- <laughs> We we can we can that was round one round two we can we can switch because we were both doing a little better with each other. Do you side. guys do you guys know who Sean Carroll is? Do you do you guys follow hey. him? He's an Aussie guy, uh, but he would be uh, he would probably be my like argument for somebody who's choosy and why that's good because his collection like every single thing he posts is just like absolutely slamming out of the park nice right julinder can you back me up here um i guess i don't know his collection that well (laughs) really are are we Uh, wait what's his name on this john Carroll. Carroll. oh no no no, yeah 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 Yeah, he does have yeah yeah he just like oh my gosh has he does not have a freaking ugly snake. He does, yeah. or at least you yeah. never. I've never seen an ugly snake, but pretty. <laughs> well, that nice. goes to my my other argument that I said. Like, if you start start out with the top, if you have a certain phenotype and you wait for that phenotype, then most likely you're going to get the top shelf animals for the phenotype that you want, and yep. you're going to get those. Um, and um, people are going to know you and want to come to you for that look. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem, well, tell me the problem. Why, like, what is stopping you from doing it, Noah? (laughs) Like, (laughs) finding that exact. Finding it or. Or just like, why aren't you doing it? Because I think. Southern yeah, Noah, why are you yeah. doing it? Gosh, Chuck. Come on, no, Noah. You, it wasn't me. I was... <laughs> well, so for starters, she's she's not even of age. She's she's probably two and a half, 
maybe getting close to three. Um, if, if I were guessing correct, she's probably vent to nose, probably four foot six, probably getting a little bit bigger than that. She, she's getting big. Her sheds are over well over six feet, getting into seven feet, but she's no thicker than a quarter. So she's she looks just like a just like an ATB. Mm-hmm. My thing with the Southerns is that there's enough people. Well, I, I don't want to say enough because there's not that many of them, but there are a good chunk of people who are successfully reproducing Southerns on a somewhat regular basis. To where I I'm okay with playing the waiting game. I don't necessarily want to just find something off the shelf that doesn't quite fit or something that I don't think would be a great pair and delay much longer because no matter what, I still have to wait two, two and a half years. So I'm okay with not necessarily, uh, especially because of, you know, I have a family, uh, space and finances are definitely something to consider, especially with scrubs to where they can get large and having a six foot cage is something that I do try to, keep in the back of my mind, especially because I rent, I don't own this home. And if we would ever move, I can't promise a 12 foot wide or even like an eight foot wide wall of free space. Like even this house is terrible because there's only like two walls that don't have a giant window on it. (laughs) So I can't stack very tall. Uh, But I feel like a lot of people have played the, I'm just going to just breed this to this and whatever I get is kind of whatever I get. And I'm kind of okay with just waiting and not having that instant gratification and finding a male that would be suitable to where it would, it would progress me so much further than finding a male that's good enough, breeding it, finding one, hopefully in the clutch, that would be a good enough and then wait another six years for a scrub to be, in my opinion, or maybe, maybe five to six years for a scrub to be a viable breeding age versus waiting while importing is still a thing. It's definitely slowed down. And I do know of someone who who has a striped male that we've kind of been talking. Justin, you actually know who it is. You're friends with him. He he has a striped male, and I he's like that's like my favorite scrub that he's got aside from the house. Hmm. And uh, I reached out to him, and he said he he was he's thought about passing um, passing it up or letting it go. Hmm. And so I, I kind of said, well, like, hey, I, I have a female that would be a great suitor. You know, maybe breeding loan or potentially I would take it if he ever lets it go. So. Yeah. That's why I'm also not in a rush because I do know of one that's out there that would be a great pair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm also fine with having more scrubs to where, you know, there could be other projects aside from just the stripes. Yeah. yeah and I do see them come around. It's like kind of a cyclical thing too. Yeah. You know, like they, they're just not around for a while. And then, you, mm-hmm. you know, you see some come like I'm seeing imports coming in now. I saw, are you now? Yeah, a Triple L had a had a pair that were pretty obvious imports. Yeah. Um so I mean they're they're coming in. It's just, you know. I don't know how good people do with them, you know, if 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 mm-hmm. pet stores buy them up and, you know, people aren't really hot with, you know, acclimating wild baby scrubs. I mean, I I don't know. Yeah. I- I have an argument. It's kind of for I'm going to argue the wrong side since we switched sides. And you, I, I don't know why you did this. We, ha- we could have had a better conversation if we stuck to our sides. But um, one of the things so the reptile hobby and um, this isn't the art that this is in our discussion today, but there's a lot of gatekeeping and uh, that goes on. So if you just um, 
if you're really picky before it's kind of like what I said about learning how to run, trying to run before you can walk. If you don't have a name as someone who's a good keeper, someone who's already been successful with this species, you're not going to be picked first for those. You know, if an importer gets in a special animal, they're going to call up the known breeders, the people that already have a reputation first before they move those out to the pet shops. You know, so one of the things about that I would say my success with the white lips have opened up a lot of doors for me because people would, you know, if I said, hey, I'm interested, then they respond to me a lot quicker than if I was just you know, wasn't known as being successful with the species. And the other thing is if you do, if you are successful with a more rarely bred species, you can sell those animals and make some snake money because I agree, like these snakes are a luxury item and you, you know, you're a family, you have a family to take care of. You have bills to pay like we all do. So it's a it's hard to to say I'm going to blow all this money on this animal but if you do get your foot in the door with the clutch whether or not it's that special looking animal people will mm-hmm. still start to recognize you a lot more and that'll that'll give you a leg up mm-hmm. rather than just being an unknown keeper saying, hey, I'm mm-hmm. looking for this, I'm looking for this, you know, rarely patterned animal or rare, like if I, I was, didn't, if people didn't know me as a white lip, someone who had had success with white lip, lip, white lip pythons, if a red animal came up, I don't think that I would be offered the red animal because it's such a rare thing mm-hmm. to find. I think that some of that just comes down to money though, you know, and I think, I do think I, I, I think I disagree with you that I think a lot of where imports go is to retail shops because that's I mean that's who's that's who's really going to turn that animal around. I had a I had a work cohort uh, side story. She wanted she wanted a, uh, a, a tree monitor, and so I I I put her up on Joey uh, Muggleston had uh, a captive male up for sale, beautiful, perfect, just bam. Awesome. But it was like three grand. And she was like, Holy crap. Like I'm not used to seeing this. And, and I showed her one that triple L had that was an import for, you know, hundreds of dollars. And she's like, Oh, that's more what I'm used to. So I think, you know, I think the the whole like, they, they they capitalize on that secondary price point of imports. And that's why it's such a great, it's such an easy thing for those big retailers to just, I'll take, you know, whatever you got with this. And it's easy for the importer too. It's, you know, like sold as soon as, as soon as they get it. Okay. Yeah. But what about your helms? Will you just give them to any, would you be willing to, Give well, them to someone who's never proven themselves as a scrub keeper. Well, of course not, of course not. But <laughs> I'm also not uh, an importer, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so I, I mean, and 
you know, my opportunities are lost. Yeah. And, and look, let's be honest without Bushmaster or cam, I couldn't have done what I did. So, you know, eh, roll the play. Right. Like, um, yeah. It, but that whole thing was like 500 bucks. I got this trio. You want it? You don't. I was like, I'll take it. Here's the money. And that was uh, it. Like I didn't have any choice. Uh, and they didn't come in messed up. They were great. They were super small. Like it was, it was legit, but it was just like, I called at the ride. I got on the list and I saw him and I called and I'm like, I'll take him. Here's my money. Shove it in his face <laughs> through the phone. Like any sent him out. And, and so I think in those cha- that for me, it was a chance encounter that I had yeah. to be willing to pull the trigger. And for 500 bucks for a trio, he's oh like, oh, gosh. it's a reverse trio. I'm like, sold. So, well, those things are gone. Oh, the wait. imports sure. cost wait. a lot more now. Wait. Absolutely. As, and, and I think as they should, because it's very easy to be like, oh, I keep killing these Halmaharas when they're 500 right. bucks for a trio. But, you know, when they're five grand or whatever I, I don't think they'll ever be that but i'm just saying it it, it 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 gives one pause for for error but that goes back to my other argument of getting a clutch with the animals that you can get like you said if you get a clutch with the animals you can get not the animal that you want if you're trying to be picky and you're like i only want this one but you get you get the animals you can you want to pick healthy ones you're not looking for a certain look and then you breed those and then you can sell those and then you have play money because you made snakes yeah and then you can fork over the money to the importers say hey look i have cash call yeah. me when you get this so i think it's a sicky business of both because you yeah you, you do want to sometimes have that or like be, you have to be less choosy like it's not too many at least nowadays it's not too often you get to see a reverse trio of hounds for 500 bucks yeah Chuck, you're, you're captive bred hounds, honest to God, from from the prices I've seen of captive bred Southerns because they're so all over the place. You could sell them for like eight grand. Easy. No one about nine. Yeah, from, I know. I've been thinking about that. I know people but, have asked <laughs> me, like, everyone has asked me, like, how, what would you sell them for? But, uh, what would you sell them for? Huh? No, you you, you can sell them for whatever you so like, at this point because we'll buy it. But I yeah. think one of the things I think but, is, as a hobby and a community, I think we could choose to be a little bit more picky, especially because I, I am somewhat active with at least – in terms of scrolling kind of keeping tabs in the scrub groups is I see a lot of people that are just kind of, because also because we don't know a ton about localities and the, the difference between the, the Southerns and the Barnex Northerns to I'm seeing a lot of people just either starting to cross localities and produce stuff that looks like both localities. I mean, you can't really tell the difference locality wise, or they're crossing Northerns and Northerns and, and Southerns. And because there hasn't been a lot of research, they're saying, oh, it's the same species. It's both amethystina. They're not hybrids, even though you can clearly see there's something extremely different with those babies. Yeah. And so I think just being a little bit, yeah, maybe not as fruit or specific as I'm being, but at least having a bit of, I'm going to wait for a good male to breed with my adult female and go that route versus, uh, well, I have this and I have this. I don't know if it was necessarily for science or just availability or something, but yeah, they, the scrub group's been blowing up about that cross of the uh, the northern and southerns. Chuck, I'm, I'm pretty sure you've seen them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, and listen, I think, you know, um, 
I think Each their own. It's right there's going to be a own. book coming out that's going to you know do some taxonomy on on scrub pythons pretty soon. So wait, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, should be forthcoming. Is there? Is there? I, I believe so. I believe so. I believe a man I we all know. Book, but it, it might it be book? Some, some other. Is it a it's not a book. I'll book a or is it a field guide? <laughs> Is it Maybe a, it's a paper. Is it a Maybe. I'll take yeah. a poster. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a postcard. <laughs> now so. I, I think I think a lot of these, you know, a lot of the discussions and things are around um species that Maybe you wouldn't consider like uh, commercially viable or suitable for all purchasers kind of kind of projects. Do you think the argument changes if you get uh, more, I guess, commercially, well, for for a better term, commercially viable or more popular species? I would say it would still apply, maybe not as, as tight, but I would say it still applies. I mean, look at some of the people that are, are crossing, I mean, or not crossing, that are waiting for the specific animals that they're looking, people that have specific lines that they were very patient for and worked really hard and over a long duration of time. I mean, you have Owen's Carmels, you have uh, Eric Hernandez's Reds, his Coastals that everyone is, I mean, if you've seen them, they're freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just looked at Sean Carroll's jungles that he's got, even his jungle diamonds. Those things look phenomenal. Yeah. So I think having that that focus of I could get this for maybe a little bit cheaper or it's convenience, but I'm going to to wait it out and get the animal that I know will will better me and potentially better the hobby once it's more established. I think I think it could still apply. Yeah. So we really have full switched, haven't we? Yeah. We, <laughs> yeah, we pretty much. Well, oh, I mean, what do you guys think about the the red white lip python? Because we don't know if it's a species, if it's a morph, it's a if it's a hybrid. Yeah, um, that's the trick. Because I remember those uh, uh, junglots, the maclot jungle mm-hmm. crosses that looked like some weird morph of a carpet python, and everybody was all excited and started buying them. And then they found out that they were a hybrid, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> Never you guys mind. were in Anaheim in 2018. Did you guys see the super retic? Yeah, no, the super, that the super was team or. super team or that was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what was the purpose for, of a, for a low price of 5k? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that seems to be kind of what they do. And, you know, I, I guess, uh, you know, it's still snakes in boxes. So I'm yeah. not, we're not, we're not curing the world, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, but we're, <laughs> so it's yes. not, well, it's said. Not, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna end the mass extinction though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. We're not con- we're not in conservation by any stretch yeah, of imagination. But so you know, more power to them. But you know, when when it's kind of like stuff that's rarely bred, and then they're hybridizing, it's like okay, like that Bolin's hybrid is like what oh, well, you know, okay, great. But yeah, nobody I, wants a hybrid Bolins. They only want Bolins. Or, well, what happens what happens when taxonomy comes through and does a hatchet job on you and gives you a hybrid yeah. to no fault of your own, you know? Yeah. I mean, well and, and I think it was mentioned before, if you're if you're paying attention to those things, you're probably gonna see that coming. <laughs> you know, you're gonna have a yeah. good idea. It's easy with some things like Halmaharas where they only come from one eye island and you're not gonna probably see a split within the island necessarily but i guess anything's possible you could sink everything into children eye if you're an anteresia 
taxonomist, but <laughs> so. And by the way, that photo on on iNaturalist is pretty sweet, along with the yeah. one eating eating a bird hanging from the tree. That's pretty cool <laughs> so, too. So like, one to look at too is uh, look at Southern's, uh, look at the the amethystina in the mm-hmm. Tamika range. Uh-huh. Those uh, ones are off the charts, but I can bet you a dollar that if those were imported into the hobby, those would instantly be thrown into uh, Highlands, mm-hmm. even though they're you know, equally as flat. They're, they're like a couple of meters above sea level in, mm-hmm. in the Tamika range. But the, mm-hmm. there's one, there's one example in the Tamika that's just phenomenal. The, it almost looks like a diamond with the, that kind of patterning. It has that just intense fishnet with the, uh, just the widest belly with just gold along the sides. It's like one of the prettiest Southerns I've ever seen. Hmm. That's, that's cool. the other thing is a lot of, um, a lot of the phenotypes that we get out of um, these places, they're labeled, they're labeled as a locality when really it's just a wide ranging phenotype. So people will be like, Oh, um, I want to breed this Cameron Highlands Ridley eye with another Cameron Highlands. But then the people who live in Cameron Highlands say, that's not how they look here. But we just put that on there. So, you know, if we're trying to keep a locality or are we just trying to breed for a specific phenotype, um, you know, be basically like a morph kind of breeder. That's the other thing is that it gets mixed up. Mm-hmm. I well, don't know what two, side I'm arguing right now. <laughs> Maybe I, both. <laughs> I think along with that, the kind of line breeding gives us a false sense of everything looks like this. You know, this is what that looks like. Whereas we've line bred it. So we've selected us for a certain phenotype and it could be much more diverse or it could be, have been different in some way and, you know, changed compared to the wild type. So yeah, it's hard to, it, we don't want to back ourselves into a corner that way. Yeah, I saw there was a lady over in France on the Timor Python Facebook group. Mm-hmm. She just got a clutch of Timor eggs and her female has this really aberrant, um, like reduced pattern on the neck where she has stripes and like little, uh, like the little uh, saddles coming up the side rather than the normal pixelated look that a lot of the Timors have, but she bred it to a really pixelated male. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm really excited to see what's going to come out of that clutch to see the two phenotypes spread to each other. Like yeah. to me, that's pretty exciting rather than just breeding like two similar ones. I'm like, what's going to happen? You should 100% no, not breed it again and just wait until she gets a suitable male. That's a similar pattern. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Why, why further the species when you could have cool animals? <laughs> well, and I, you know, I think it's uh, maybe does it just come down to selfishness? You know, do you want to provide them for other people or do you just want to get hold what you on want? to them all? Yeah. <laughs> hold on to sit them in all. your, sit in your snake room. And go, <laughs> I have the whole collection. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning from the great chuckles, man. Oh, wait, I, I will a hundred percent burke the clutch. <laughs> yeah. There you go. And before it was to. Burke, it was Yasser. Yeah. Yassering the clutch. The Yasser. Well, I feel like yeah. Chuck definitely Burke the, the hounds. Oh, yeah. He did a back-to-back Burke. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. Yep. I would definitely move them on, but I mean, I would I would keep this right. Yeah. I would I would want to yeah. further that, especially because it sounds like they are a natural occurring phenotype too. It's not just yeah. a a. Sure. Uh, well, now I've I've had uh, striped carpets where I bred the stripe to another stripe and didn't get very striped animals. You know, I got I would be sad. More banded animals. <laughs> and so, you know, it could go the other way where I've also bred stripes to banded and gotten stripes out of it. So I think uh, originally that's kind of how the tiger morph was shown to be polygenic is it didn't mm-hmm. behave in a predictable yeah. manner and meaning that you had to have more than just uh, one gene line, you know, yeah. line up to make that phenotype. And so, you know, you could wait all this time and get another striped animal and they could be incompatible stripe genes yeah. and they, they'd they all be just normal, ugly looking. That was the pill. That no, was the pill. no, they would not be ugly. People didn't want to swallow right there. Yeah. No, that's when I would just say she's recessive for stripe and uh, all, all the captives for 2,500. Right so you, you would have been just fine getting a, a normal banded animal up front and oh, yeah. getting stripes down the road. Through I'm fine with any of them. I love I love these things. Yeah. They're they're my favorite. That's like I, that's the other thing is like who cares if you get a stripe? They're all beautiful. Like oh yeah. I love sending them pictures of beautiful, like regular pattern southern thing. Look at well, this I, one. Look at this one. You should buy this I really, one. I really think it's hilarious that we have this idea that hybrids are or, or integrates, I should say, are mm-hmm. you know worthless and shitty and carpets. And there's actually yep. some really cool ones, but you go to Condros and they're like, oh no, it's exactly the opposite. These are like <laughs> yeah. the most expensive ones you can get yeah. because they're so you know cool looking. Like it's such mm-hmm. a it's it's such a like a honest arbitrary. Head. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Like how did yeah. two like how did two people that re- like. Oh, or like three degrees of separation back in the day on, on uh, like MVF forum and, and really a Python's forum, you know, now all of a sudden, like we've, we, you know, we have the opposite, uh, yep. you know, Gear. marketing strategy mm-hmm. on, on integrates. It just seems weird. You yeah. Know? Mark- marketing. Go, you know, you can yeah. see, like people don't like it, like the black backed, uh, black headed pythons. Well, and part now of that everybody has, wants them. Yeah, it's just yeah kind of part of that has to do with the um, inability for um, a lot of Morelia, uh, the Australian species, to come mm-hmm. in, and we can still get uh, wild caught. Yeah. Um, green tree pythons, mm-hmm. but I I bet you that it would kind of switch back if that we were cut off from Indonesia. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we saw that with the retics, you know, you kind of, it's, it freezes in time once that importation valve is shut off and then you have what you have and they're all mixed up and crazy, you know, just trying to get morphs, then that's what you've got. Now you've got morphs and that's it. You know, you don't have the option and, and then you know people might change their mind and say, "Well, never mind. I'm bored with the morphs. I want the wild types." Well, too yeah, because you know? the thing about the the um, crosses in the green tree pythons is you see all the pictures of the really crazy, like colorful, like crazy blue ones and the crazy like black and uh, confetti looking ones, but you don't see all the pictures of the plain green ones. But if you could get a a 
natural phenotype green tree python there's a they're pretty much all beautiful like they have crazy patterns they have mm-hmm. a bunch of different colors um it's kind yeah. of a crapshoot with the and people would if they if they shut down indonesia and we couldn't get that wild type anymore i think that it totally would switch back to mm-hmm. people wanting the wild type phenotype yeah it's always what the least produced or you know the the most in the, demand is usually the, be, the one the that's best the, the best part find. about all of that is is that all you have to do is wait for the long color change <laughs> yeah. and they all turn green in the end. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. The, all about the patience. Yeah. And, and, you know, some of these have a really, really long color change time where, and they, you know, that's when you get all the pictures. And look, that, that you know, for as crazy as those animals look in that period of time for their color change, there's people who are willing to fork out big bucks for that to mm-hmm. be able to have that and capture it. And, you know, and then they'll end up owning a green snake that doesn't get the fanfare that those pictures that they took ever will. Um, but that's kind of what it is. Right. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it, it is really interesting that, you know, I, I mean, I don't know how much, I, I do think importation has something to do with it, uh, because they can get wild stuff in, but it's not like anybody, like, it's not like the Ed Bradleys or the old school guys that imported this stuff back in the day from Bushmaster that everybody's like, well, if I want to do a cross, I got to import it. Like they're working from, you know, already known lines or if they're crossing it, you know, is it the biggest? So I don't, I mean, I think import plays a role, but I don't know if it's like a prime. It's not like everything that they're producing designers from comes right out of the wild and that's how they get it. Right. Um, most, most keepers do not want to be the over and over setting up wild caught animals to get them to, you know, try and breed. Like that would be, that would be my least favorite job right there is the guy who sets up imports to get them to try and breed. So (laughs) I don't know. I I, kind of disagree there, I guess. Um, Yeah. Well, any uh, final thoughts? Have we covered everything you wanted to cover? Or is there something that's still in the back of your mind? Like you got to get that point out. The last word. I think we beat it. We beat it into the ground. Yeah. We we went full weird Uno reverse card, full circle. Yeah. We argued it it up, down, and sideways. (laughs) Flipped it, flipped it. We've definitely covered every angle. (laughs) All right. I'm sure when people listen, they'll they'll find something that that we missed and they'll make that suggest. So, yep. you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll be able to have you guys back again at some point. Word. <laughs> talk more or someone it. will yeah. hear, be like, that's not, that's not the truth. And then they'll come and <laughs> yeah. want to try, try their hand in the ring. There you go. All right. Well, tag team fight then. It was a, it was a good discussion. Yeah. Thanks discussion. for coming on you guys. That was Cheers great. guys. Thank you for yeah. your guys' time. Yeah. Happy yeah, anniversary. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> Thanks. Any uh, any cool things in the news? Any uh, neat reptile news you've you've heard? I've been looking at these uh, Tamika locality scrubs as well. They're really cool. <laughs> They're so things. pretty. Oh my yeah. gosh! I'll I'll send it in the group chat for other people. But it's yeah, okay. it's one of my favorite ones I've seen so far. 
iNaturalist is fun. Like it's really, yeah. You know, it's just, fun to do it with your friend too. Yep. yep. Oh yeah. yeah. It was, yeah, it was a blast. It. I would advise. All right. Another yeah, one is like Flickr, like getting on Flickr and like looking at the, especially when they like include where they found the animal. So, so Flickr is like, Flickr is just like geotag photo photos. Hosting. It's just oh, okay. a photo hosting site. So people take pictures and they can include information on where they caught, you know, where okay. they took the picture or whatnot. Do they so, tag, they, uh, they tag, they do, uh, they tag them. Like if you're looking at a certain species, they'll tag them with that species. That- Usually if it's like a herper oh, wow. that found it, they'll, they'll give it like the scientific name, but sometimes you can do search for common names. Yeah. Sometimes it's in a tank, you know, somebody's pet and they're taking pictures of it in the yard or something, but you can tell the wild ones. And that's a, when we were doing the research for the book, that's where we'd find a lot of the photos that we wanted to include in the book. We'd find it on yeah. like Flickr or something. Cause they're really good pictures and, you know, cause they're fo- photographers. It's for photographers. Yeah. Noah, anyway. what was it that we were trying to, not Google maps. What is it? So Google you're, you're Earth, talking about, Google was it Earth? Marco Shea that had his photos? He said he Google had them. Yeah, he had, he said he had, he told someone, I saw that he had told someone on Facebook, if you need information, I have all my photos on Google Earth. Oh, really? Like, ta- like yeah. he had them tagged. But oh. I think it's a private file. Yeah. Because yeah. We tried yeah. To- you can only share it. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. we were like, oh, my God, we have to see this. And we were trying to find yeah. it. Uh, you didn't didn't ask him for it? See if no. he'd share it with you? I, I'm we'll always bugging him. I feel yeah. <laughs> I'm a dork. I'm like, Virtual oh, herp session number two. not that crazy yeah. girl again. Because there's also, like, herp mapper. Um, that's that's pretty good too but i don't think you can like the photo quality and zooming in and things maybe it's better i don't know but herb mapper uh ala is a good one too uh atlas of living australia they have like a bunch of yeah you can get see where uh animals were collected and sometimes it'll is that like a lot of aussies use that yeah yeah and and it's got like the the museum records and stuff like that got it yeah what was the herb one called Herp mapper, mapper, Herp, yeah, that's a that's another one that's like used. Uh, that one's in the U.S. More, yeah, and, that's more in the U.S. But they, right? but it includes ones throughout the world. So I that's know such a name. That's such a name that them. happened during the app boom. I forget that yeah. who made that one. It's the guy that does the Herper podcast, the Herping podcast. Right. Oh, I, I'm not sure. He I'm, has a herping podcast. I'm so terrible with names anyway. Me too. <laughs> I barely remember <laughs> my too. own name. But, I'm like, yeah. what is that thing called we are trying to find? Uh, Google Maps, Google Earth, Google Earth. <laughs> <laughs> the, the herping podcast, the Pingleton, Mike Pingleton? Pingleton, yeah. Okay. Is he the one I who started I think he might that? have been involved with, I don't know if he started or not. I'm not okay. sure. Yeah, I don't know. But he was promoting it. Yeah. I think yeah. on his podcast. Yeah, he, he uses that. A, a Donald Becker. Sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I wouldn't have called that. <laughs> I don't. I don't yeah, <laughs> I was no. thinking Mike Pingleton. You oh, okay. remembered him though. Yeah, good no, doc. he's. He, I love his podcast. He does a good podcast. Yeah, yeah. he does. I think he did like a, a had a YouTube uh, where he showed his trip through Mexico and they oh. found all these animals. They found a boa. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. They <laughs> found Dickerson, Dickersoni as well. That um, Dickerson's collar, the blue ones that are down like just by on one like one island and one little place on the mainland. I don't uh, think I watched that video, that part of the video. I don't know if it was a video. I just remember him talking about, it and I found some photos that he'd taken online, or it was on his blog or something. But yeah, 
I don't know. I love herping. That's <laughs> too too many good uh, places to go and see stuff. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, do you want to throw out your information in case one people want to get a hold of you? You can find me at Lisa Farina on Facebook and Instagram. Okay. You can find me at uh, under or uh, Bigfoot uh, underscore wannabe. Yep. <laughs> or uh, my other reptile account, uh, Pappy and the Dipsticks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Some interesting names there. Uh, in, <laughs> first one isn't any reference to Owen. Right? He was, and, he no, was it's not. I made that one years ago. <laughs> and I feel like the okay. second one could be a Simpsons character. <laughs> yeah. That's our right. band, man. We're sticking That's to your it. band? Oh, oh cool. nice. That did nice. sound like so, a band so, name. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. My, all of my family on my dad's side are, are all musicians. Musicians. Of some sort. And nice. so we all made a joke. If we were ever to start up a band, it would be Pappy being my grandfather and the Dip Six. Uh, <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, that's funny. Got it. Nice. Well, thanks again for coming on, you guys. And yeah, uh, thank you guys. Yeah, we'll uh, have another episode for you next week on Reptile Fight Club. Later, you toadlets. Fight Club.